as we think about what it means to be an apostle, uh, I, I really like this idea that apostles are, are kind of entrepreneurs. And I really like entrepreneur stories, right? So I, we, we know um, the American dream is this beautiful vision that's not always quite based in reality. Everybody needs some help. Um, but there are some great stories of people who have come to our country and by a lot of hard work and ingenuity have have pulled themselves up with some help, of course. Um, one of those stories is a guy named Jan Coombe. Uh, Jan Coombe was uh, a, a man of Jewish origin who was born in Kiev, Ukraine in 1976, so during the Soviet Union. And just after the Soviet Union fell, he and his mother and his grandmother were able to leave there and travel to the United States. They moved to Mount View, California. Unfortunately, his dad couldn't come. He, he had hoped to come later, but um, he just couldn't. And his dad actually passed away about five years later in, in 1997. Um, when they first got here, they needed some assistance. So some social programs in the area got them into their first apartment. And then uh, his mom took a job as a babysitter, and he started working as a, a cleaner in a local grocery store. Started going to school and, and then in 1997, the same year that his father passed away, he got a job offer to work at Yahoo as an infrastructure engineer. I don't know what that means. But anyway, he was doing computer stuff. A uh, couple years later, his mom passed away after a long battle with cancer. Uh, but he stayed at Yahoo and worked for a while. And after about 10 years, he left. He tried to get a job at Facebook that didn't work out. And then this thing came out, um, the iPhone, right? And there was this thing called the App Store that was new. And he said, I bet there's money in that. Uh, and so he invented a messaging app. Um, that app is called WhatsApp. And he sold it five years later to the company that wouldn't hire him for the low, low sum of $19 billion. So... Uh, after he sold WhatsApp to Facebook and, and became this huge deal, um, he started getting a little more attention in the world. Uh, and he was often called, as I called him, an entrepreneur. He doesn't really like that. And so um, one of my uh, interesting quotes that he's made on, on Twitter, he said, uh, the next person to call me an entrepreneur is getting punched in the face by my bodyguard. So I hope he's not listening to this sermon. Um, but, but he said, um, entrepreneurs are motivated by the desire to make money. I want to build useful things. And I really like that a lot, that, that there's something about this creativity and this entrepreneurial spirit uh, that can be harnessed in a negative way, right, just to get stuff for me, or in a positive way. I want to build something that will last. And I think when we think about being an apostle, it's about building something that will last. Uh, I think about the Apostle Paul, who definitely has that sort of um, go get them entrepreneurial spirit. And if Paul had been really into food instead of really into Jesus, I think we would have had McDonald's 2,000 years ago. And today we all be eating McFalafels with a side of hummus, right? Um, so that, that passion to go and build, I think, is in all of us in some way. Um, but the question is can we harness it? and allow it to be going and building for God, right? Going and building the kingdom of God. I think this is exactly what Jesus is calling the disciples to do in this story, um, that they are sent out as apostles to go build God's 
kingdom. The central message of Jesus, right? The kingdom of God has come near. So I want to think about how we do that because Jesus is kind enough to give us some instructions in this passage via the disciples about how we are to go build the kingdom of God, how we harness that spirit to do great things and do great things for God. So I want to talk about the who, the what, and the how. All right, the who, the what, and the how about how we build uh, the kingdom of God with Christ. So first is the who. Jesus says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's an interesting line. Why just the lost sheep of the house of Israel? couple of reasons for this. We, we know that later in the gospel, for example, in Matthew chapter 28, he's going to tell them to go to all nations. So it's not that he doesn't want everyone to hear the story. Um, there is a, a practical reason for this. The practical reason is Jesus is setting geographical boundaries on their mission, right? So he's, they are in Galilee, and Galilee is surrounded on all sides by the Gentiles to the north, the east, and the west, and the Samaritans to the south. So this is kind of like your mom saying, you can go play this afternoon, but you got to stay within three or four blocks of the house, okay? He's giving them a boundary about how far he wants them to go because this is a limited mission. They don't know everything they need to know yet to be uh, making disciples of all nations. But also, uh, there is this recognition that there is some sacredness to God's story with the Jewish people, right? That they're his first connection, the first that he's going to reach out to. But, but I think even more basic than that, I think that Jesus recognizes that His disciples aren't going to be ready to go to all nations until they go to their nation, until they go to their community, until they go to their city and their friends and their neighbors and their co-workers and their families. And, and this, I think, is really clear that when God calls us to go and build the kingdom, He doesn't call us just to go to Asia or to Africa or to Europe. He doesn't just send African Christians to America to build the kingdom here. Now, he calls us first to go to those people that we already are in relationship with. He calls us first to go to those who are already in our life. And He says, start there, right? Start with those who you already know and love, who I've already placed in your life, because where you are is where I wanted you to be. I think about um, people that are good at this, people that are, are good at building something of eternal value right where they are, uh, and it is Mother's Day, and so it's easy to think about the role that moms play in that, right, of, of building something eternal right where they are with the people that God has placed with them. Um, I came across a wonderful tribute video today about um, mothers and women in general on this day and how we as a church can be um, supporting them. And I just want to play this for you as we think about what it means to go and build um, with the folks with whom we are placed. Today is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you or a day of quiet reflection and healing, we're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. 
If you continue to struggle with infertility, we are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you, we love you, and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you, and we celebrate each and every one of you. I think that's beautiful, and I think it captures a really basic but critical part of our call to be apostles, that the people around us are in as great need of the love and grace and promise of Jesus as those who are far from us, right? We need to get to the Gentiles and the Samaritans and the people a long way away, but boy, God has placed you around people that are complex and filled with joy and filled with sorrow and filled with hope and who have lost hope. And it's our job to go to them, right? Uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, to the lost members of our family and community and start building the kingdom of God in their life. So uh, the who, I think, begins with those uh, around us uh, that God has placed us with. Um, and then Jesus talks about the what, right? What are we called to do in building the kingdom? What does it look like to build the kingdom of God in others? And he says, as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. So Jesus says, in essence, there are two critical things that you're to do when you go to these people to build the kingdom of God in their lives, and that is to proclaim the kingdom and to reveal the kingdom, right? You got to proclaim the kingdom and reveal the kingdom. Uh, and th this is pretty essential, right? Sometimes I think we say things like, boy, I hope um, I'll, I'll preach the gospel whenever necessary, and um, when needed, I'll use words, right? But my life will be the gospel. And Jesus would say, well, that's a nice idea, but just being kind to someone is never going to let them know about the love of God in Jesus Christ. And just talking to someone about Jesus without showing them his love in your life 
is just empty words, right? You got to proclaim and reveal the kingdom together. Now, um, you may be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do miraculous things, but I'm going to guess that not many of us are going to be raising the dead or cleansing lepers in our personal ministry. But I believe that we do reveal the kingdom of God in extraordinary ways, right? That's what those commandments are about. What is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is like a place where there is no death, so Jesus raises the dead. The kingdom of God is like a place where there are no outcasts, so He heals the lepers and brings them in. It's like a place where there's no suffering, so He heals the sick. It's like a place where there's no evil, so He casts out the demons, right? He is showing people what the kingdom of God is like. We, we can do that too, even without raising the dead. We can show the world what the kingdom of Jesus Christ is like because it's about more than just those things. It's about a life lived the way Christ wants us to live and loving others the way Christ calls us to love. Uh, there's a story I've told you before. I'm going to make a commitment to try to tell this story, I don't know, at least every couple of years, maybe every year. It's really an important one because it captures for me what the kingdom of God is like and what it means to reveal it to the world. There's a book called The Kingdom of God is a Party by Tony Campolo. And in this book, he tells the story of a time he was in Hawaii. I don't know why he was out uh, in the middle of the night, but around 3 a.m., he is wandering the streets of Hawaii looking for something to eat. And so he walks into this really scuzzy diner. He says the menus are so gross, he's afraid to pick them up because he doesn't know what might crawl out of it. But he can't find any place else that's open. So he, he walks in and he um, sits down at the bar and, and this guy walks up to him and says, hey, what do you want? He says, yeah, I'd like to have a cup of coffee and a donut, please. And the guy reaches and grabs the donut with his hand, no wax paper, right? Just grabs it, puts it down in front of him, gives a coffee. And as Tony's sitting there at like 3 a.m. in the morning in this diner eating his coffee, drinking his coffee, eating his donut, um, nine women walk in. And these women are, are very obviously prostitutes, right? And they're very loud and boisterous and kind of randy in their conversation and dress. And he's this Christian pastor, and he's feeling super uncomfortable. And so he's about ready to make his exit. And then he hears one of those women say, hey, you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's my birthday. And another woman says, oh, whoop-de-doo, you think you're so special? Tomorrow's your birthday? You think we're going to have some big celebration for you? It's got to be all about you, doesn't it? And this lady said, no, 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 I, I wasn't asking for anything. I've never had a birthday party in my whole life. I was just, just making conversation. And the other woman kind of made fun of her a little bit longer. Um, and then a little bit later, they all left. And Tony says, um, he, he grabbed the, the cooks or the chef or the bartender or whatever he was. He said, hey, come here, sir. Um, that lady, I think her name was Agnes. Um, does she come in here often? And he said, yep, yep. They, those ladies come in here almost every day around this time. He said, I have an idea. Do you think you could help me if I came back tomorrow and brought decorations and stuff? Could we have like a little birthday party for her? Because I heard her say that she's never had a birthday party in her life. And this really gruff, grumpy um, cook says, you know what? I would love to do that. He gets this big smile on his face. He calls his wife. He says, hey, this crazy guy up here wants to have a birthday party for Agnes tomorrow. He says, okay, great. I, I, I'll, I'll get those decorations and the cake. He says, no, 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 no. You get the decorations. I'll do the cake. Okay. So the next day, Tony shows up a little before 3 o'clock, and he decorates this 
really gross place the best he possibly can and streamers and all kinds of stuff everywhere. And the chef, has, uh, the chef now we're calling him, has made this cake uh, and Agnes and her friends walk in. And, and the word has gotten out, by the way. The word has traveled. And so this diner is packed. Uh, Tony says it was probably like every prostitute in Hawaii plus himself in this diner, right? Uh, and and, and um, Agnes and her friends walk in, and there's this big sign that says, Happy Birthday, Agnes. And everybody starts cheering and, and, and celebrating and clapping when she walks in, and her face is just in shock, Right? And then they sort of guide her to a table and they bring this beautiful cake out to her and they place it before her and they're all singing happy birthday and she just starts to weep. She can't stop. And uh, then finally the cook is like, Agnes, you gotta, you gotta blow out the candles. And she can't do it. She just can't stop weeping. And he says, if you don't do it, I gotta do it. We're gonna, we're gonna blow out these candles. So finally he has to blow the candles out. And, and she gets herself together a little bit while he's doing that. And she looks around at everything and she says, Uh, I know this is going to sound weird, but would it be okay if we didn't cut the cake just yet? But I I live just a couple blocks down the street and my mom's there. Would it be okay if I just just took this down and showed her what my friends did before we cut it? And so they say, it's your birthday, Agnes. It's your cake. So she gets up and she walks out holding this cake like it's the Holy Grail. And she leaves the restaurant, and this huge crowd is just silent. And Tony says, at that point, I did the pastor thing, and I said, hey, guys, let's say a prayer. And he and these prostitutes prayed for Agnes, and they thanked God for her life and for uh, the friends that she had and the privilege of celebrating her, and they prayed blessings on her that she would know the love of God in her life. And as they were done, uh, and they finished the prayer, this gruff greasy cook leans over to Tony and he says, you didn't tell me you were a preacher. He said, well, yeah, that's, that's true. I am. He said, what kind of church do you go to? And Tony thought for a minute and he said, I go to the kind of church that throws birthday parties for hookers at 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and the chef said, well, there ain't no such church, but if there was, I'd go. You got to reveal the kingdom of God to people, right? You got to show them what it looks like to be caught up in the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And you got to connect that to the story of Jesus and let them know why you're doing it, right? Uh, To proclaim and reveal the kingdom is the what that builds the kingdom in the lives of others. So that's the who and the what. Uh, And then uh, there's the how. And and the how's really kind of interesting. Um, Jesus says, whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Really simply, Jesus says, um, you're going to go out there You're going to go to people that you already know. You're going to go to people that are uh, in your life that are the lost sheep of Israel. And you're going to proclaim and reveal the kingdom of God to them. And some of those people are going to respond with overwhelming joy and excitement. Uh, They're going to to walk out of that room uh, like they got the Holy Grail in their hands. And some of those people aren't. 
Some of the people that you go to are going to be unresponsive to the story of the gospel. He says, don't be discouraged by that. Don't be overwhelmed by the folks that don't get on board with what we're trying to do. Don't even let the, the dust from them hang on your feet. Uh, don't, don't let their, their disinterest keep you from pushing forward with this incredible project of building the kingdom of God. But find those who are worthy. And, and by worthy, Jesus does not mean moral or religious or intelligent or any of that stuff, right? He simply means find those who are responsive, right? Find those who hear and see the kingdom of God and it ignites a flame in their heart that they want to be part of that and they want to build that in others. Find those who are worthy, who are excited about what we're doing in this world and invest in them. Don't be dragged down by those who aren't interested. Love them, care for them, speak to them, sure, but but find those who catch the flame uh, wherever they are, right? Whether they're in the highest or lowest points of their lives and fan that flame, right? I've been watching The Chosen and I keep talking about it because I kind of want you to watch The Chosen. Uh, so I've been watching The Chosen, which is this um, web series about the life of Jesus. And uh, in the second season, the second episode, there's a story about Nathaniel. And The Chosen is great because they make up backstories that aren't biblical, but aren't unbiblical, right? They just kind of fit in around the story that we already have. And so in the story of the chosen, Nathaniel is an architect. The very beginning of this episode, uh, what he is building collapses, and he is kind of ruined, okay? No one dies, but he's kind of ruined. And I want to show you two clips. One is um, him describing that experience to a bartender, maybe in a similarly greasy sort of bar. Uh, and then the second is him meeting Jesus. We play that. Tell me about him. He was an architect. That's what he wanted to be his whole life. Sad. He came from nothing. Worked his way up. Loved God. to build synagogues eventually. I, I know that's not very popular around here. <laughs> One with colonnades that sing, parapets that practically pray, vaunted halls that draw the soul upward to God. That's what God made him for. So he thought. He sounds like an ambitious guy. What did he die of? Hubris. It's me, by the way. I'm the dead man in the story. Yeah. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? <laughs> you are going to see many greater things than that. Like Jacob, you are going to see heaven open. 
and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's me, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I got that. Good. So, you wanted to help build something that would cause prayer and songs, something to bring souls closer to God, yes? Can you start tomorrow? Jesus' point is that there are all these people out there just waiting for you to show up in their lives. There's all these people out there that are, are prepared for the gospel already, whose lives have built to the point where you show up and love them into his kingdom. Uh, and you're already in relationship with some of those people, right? Your calling is just to show up in their lives and uh, to proclaim and reveal the kingdom and then let God do the rest. So we, we uh, are called to go and build like entrepreneurs. Uh, we know the who, which is those with whom we are placed. We know the what, which is to proclaim and reveal the kingdom. We know the how, which is to go and find those that God has already worked in, the worthy ones that he's called. And we know the when. Jesus just told you. Can you start tomorrow? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would send us out today, tomorrow, that we would be ready uh, to go and to build your kingdom in this world and in the lives of those that we love and you love. Uh, we know it's not about our strength. It's not about our wisdom. We go with your purpose and your power. Um, but we know that we get to build something eternal. And so, God, we pray only that you would give us the opportunity this week to show the world the kingdom of God. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen.